Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm so overwhelmed this morning. Uh, as we were singing that last part, yeah, I just want to say, Noah, man, I honor you just for being in the spirit when you come and you just bring what the Lord is laying on your heart. And, and that really broke open something. And I, I really believe uh, as we were singing that song, I, as um, Henry came and, and shared about sonship, I felt for us as a congregation that maybe there's some of us here that are relating to the older brother. Some of us are the older brother. You do all the right things. You perform week in, week out. You do whatever the father expects you to do, but you don't have intimacy with the father. And before I go into the word, I've got actually, I've got something completely different. I just felt that for us, if you see in yourself a symptom of the older brother that you are caught up in performance, you are caught up in, in, in doing all the right things to look like one of the other people in the congregation, I want to say to you that there is a freedom for you to be raw and authentic in your weakness in this body, and that you will be loved Despite your quirks, I think I'm quite a quirky person. Despite your dislikes, your likes, I mean, if you like Liverpool, then you're already part of the... And we have to love you. We have to accept you into our midst. And we do that. <laughs> um, so I just want to encourage us, let's not fall into the trap of being the older brother where we do the right things outwardly, but our hearts are far from him. Let's seek intimacy with him. Um, and so I'm going to jump into what I felt the Lord uh, wants to share with us this morning. And I, I'm, I'm trusting that it would be a word of encouragement. Um, in the prayer meeting, there was a lot of words about strength, strengthening weak knees. And I believe that this word this morning is an attempt to strengthen weak knees. It's an attempt to come and blow wind into our sails. It's an attempt to actually call us all to fix our eyes on the one who is able to keep us and who is able to present us as the body as perfect to himself on that day. Praise Jesus that he is the one that keeps us, that he is the one that is running with us, that he is the one that is doing the work through us to present us holy and perfect to himself. Amen? Amen. And so what I want to preach about this morning and the title of my sermon is Finding His presence in the midst of suffering. Finding God's presence in the midst of suffering. And I just want to say this morning, I, I believe that this side of eternity, what we did this morning, where we can actually worship Jesus despite the struggles against sin, the struggles against circumstances, the struggles against loss and weakness in our humanity, is a beautiful thing before the Lord. When we go on into eternity, there will be no pain, there will be no suffering, all tears will be wiped away, we won't cry, I, I think we will cry in, in light of seeing who he is, but we won't cry because of suffering. And so what we did this morning, I know there's some of us here that are going through difficult circumstances, and the fact that you are able to stand upon your shackles this morning and praise him despite what you're going through is precious to the Lord, and I want to encourage that this morning. And so I want to I wanna, um, lead us and remind us to seek God's presence in the midst of suffering. So uh, 
let me first uh, give us some context with regards to suffering, because I think it's important. I, mean, I think nowadays we hear this message going around sometimes that we as God's people do not need to suffer. I think some of us have heard that message and God just wants you to be uh, like cotton wool, wrapped in cotton wool, and that the, the things of life will never distract you, it will never come against you. It's just smooth sailing until we reach eternity. And I want to say to us this morning that that is not true. Here's a scripture to debunk and diffuse that theory completely. Philippians 1 verse 29 says, and this is beautiful, listen to the language. For it has been granted to you, granted, gifted. It has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in Him. Yes. I want to believe in Jesus. Thank you for that great gift of salvation, Lord. But it goes on to say, but also to suffer for His sake. Everyone say, Amen. Amen. Uh, if I say, Jesus saves. Amen. Amen. Jesus grants to you to suffer for His sake. <laughs> not the same intensity, eh? And I want to say that suffering is a grace given to us by Jesus as a means to form us into His likeness. I'll say that again. Suffering is a grace given to us by Jesus as a means to form us into His likeness. Thank you, Lord, that you would have us suffer so that we can be transformed into your likeness. James 1 verse 2 to 4 says, Hey, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Count it a joy. There's another scripture in Philippians 4 verse 4 that says, rejoice. And again I say rejoice. And Paul's writing that to the Philippian church out of prison being persecuted, they themselves are experiencing some sort of persecution. He's saying, rejoice, count it all joy. And so the object, uh, the object um, against this this morning may be, the objection may be, how can we rejoice or how can I count it joy when my finances are in a shambles? Or when I'm overwhelmed with debt, and the rising cost of living as a result of economic problems or issues in our country. Any one of us? How can we rejoice this morning and count it a joy when our bosses are being harsh and are treating us disrespectfully? Some of us are experiencing that. How can we rejoice and count it a joy when our country is in a disarray with load shedding, corruption, and violence. How do I count this joy, Lord? How do I count the joy when my marriage is on the rocks and we don't know if we are going to make it? How do I count the joy when my children are running rampant in rebellion? How? How? <laughs> and I want to say this morning that these are all valid circumstances that some of us currently are facing and going through. 
But I want to also say to us that the only way that we are able to come to a place to counter joy and to rejoice in our suffering is if we see Him. We have to see Him. And it's in His presence that we find the will and the fight to keep on keeping on. And so this morning, I want to sketch for us a reason how God's presence shapes us in the midst of suffering. So what does God's presence do for us in when we, uh, while we are facing suffering? The first thing that God's presence does is that it brings us peace. Philippians 4 verse 5 to 7, we're going to read a couple of scriptures this morning because I want to ground us in the Word. We need to be saturated in the Word to have a proper lens through which we view suffering. Philippians 4 verse 5 to 7 says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be, known, be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. So the, the presence of Jesus gives us a peace that doesn't make sense in the natural. It's a certain calmness in the storm that gives us a confidence knowing that God is with us. And I, I refer to the story of Jesus in the boat when they are crossing the river uh, and there's a storm that arises and the disciples panic because they don't realize the person that is with them in the boat. And I want to say to us this morning, maybe you are in the boat and you are in the storm and when we find God's presence, we realize that the person in the boat is the one who calms the storm. And more than that, Jesus is not just able to calm the storm, he's also able to calm our hearts and our minds while we are going through the storm. Because I do believe that for some of us, we need to go through the storm. And Jesus is able to take away the storm, but more than that, he's able to guard our hearts and our minds to be able to go through the storm without being anxious or worried about the outcome. Amen? So God's presence gives us a sense of peace. Number two, God's presence gives us power. Power, grace, divine enablement to be able to go through what we are facing. Philippians 4 verse 11 to 13 says, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In, every, in anything and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And here's the killer that we find on a sticker. I'm a poet and I don't even know it. <laughs> I can do all things through him who strengthens me. In other words, whatever I'm facing, I can go through that because God gives me the power to go through that. Amen? God's presence gives us power or grace to endure hardship. Scripture tells us that we can come to Him, and, and uh, Ingrid, you shared this this morning, that in our time of need that we can find grace. And I want to say to us this morning that actually, when is our time of need? For me, that's every second. So God's grace is available to us, not just when we are overwhelmed with life and things are going difficult. I remember as a young Christian, you know, um, you go through this phase where you get saved, 
You encounter Jesus, and the next thing is you see a beautiful lady, and you fall in love. And then usually you get rejected. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> and I remember that, you know, when you are, when you are uh, in a good place, you are seeking after the Lord, and as soon as you get that rejection, then all of a sudden you run to the throne of grace because now you find yourself in a time of need. And I've come to learn that we don't only run to the throne of grace when things are going difficult. We need a revelation that we are in desperate need of God always. Always. Our time of need is always. In other words, we can always have God's grace uh, and always run to His throne to find His grace. Amen? So in His presence, we are refreshed. We find the strength to carry on. Number three, in God's presence, we find perseverance. So we've got peace, we've got power, and we've got perseverance. Romans 5 verse 2 to 5 says, Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Thank you, Jesus. God's presence works in us a perseverance to not give up and not to throw away the confidence that we have in Him. And I, want, I felt like the Lord highlighted this point and the next point for us, that some of us are in a place of hopelessness. And when hope goes, faith falls flat. I, mean, I believe that uh, circumstances can take away that hope that we have of carrying on. And I want to say to us this morning, do not be unaware of the enemy's schemes to steal your hope. The hope that God will come through, the hope that God is doing something in my life. Sometimes we, we are tempted to think that our suffering and our struggles are meaningless. And I want to say to us this morning, there's no thing that happens on this earth that is meaningless. God has a perfect design and a perfect plan for everything that happens in our lives. God is sovereign. God is not caught unaware by anything that happens in the world. God is not reactive and thinking, oh my word, Dan slept a little bit later this morning, and so I need to change my plan to accommodate Dan's weakness or dance uh, like God is in the dark about what's going to happen God knows the end from the beginning your suffering has a purpose it's not meaningless it's building something and I'll get to the scripture at the end it's building an eternal weight of glory for each one of us that when we stand before Jesus in the last day because we've been refined by fire we will shine like gold before him that we will be beautiful before the Lord without spot and without blemish because we have endured and persevered through the things that life has, come, uh, has given us and that we've had to face. Loss, death, pain, financial suffering, the loss of a loved one. These things are difficult, but they are not meaningless. Amen? 
May God give us a, a perseverance in our hearts to carry on, to not throw away the confidence. I feel like some of us are, you're standing in the boxing ring and you're in the corner and the blows are coming and you don't know, you just want to throw in the white towel. You want to throw in the towel into the ring and say, I'm giving up. And I want to say this morning, do not give in, do not give up. God is at work in your life. But we need to see Him. We need His presence. So God's presence gives us peace, it gives us power, it gives us perseverance, and, go, and also God's presence gives us perspective. And with this one, I'm going to read Psalm 73. I want us to really take into consideration what the psalmist writes. It's, it's quite a, it's about 28 verses, so please bear with me. But I, I, I want to read the whole psalm because it's so powerful. There's been times in my life where I, where I have had to run to this psalm to encourage my heart when I see things happening around me. And maybe for some of us, this scripture right now that I'm going to read is going to shine light to make sense of what you are facing in this moment. It's a psalm of Asaph. It says, Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are, pu- who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through, fa- through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens, and their tongues strut through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. Come on. Like, what? All in vain. Have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence? For all the day long, I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. So the psalmist here is having a a struggle with seeing the prosperity of the wicked while they who are seeking after God are being stricken and having to go through suffering. And I think for many of us, we are at that place and thinking, how on earth can the wicked prosper? While we who are God's royal people are stricken and suffering. And verse 16 says, But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. And this verse is the killer blow. Verse 17. It says, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned the end. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, I discerned the end. Truly, you set them in celebrary places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. The phantom of the opera. (laughs) When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. I'm in your presence. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? 
and there is nothing on the earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. But you, you put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. What a beautiful scripture is that the psalmist is seeing the prosperity of the wicked and he thinks to himself, God is unfair. It's unfair that I have to go and drive and see people driving in a Porsche or people never have suffering. They have they buy steak every weekend. They, they live in a nice house and here I have to uh, hope that my, my, my roof doesn't fall in when it rains. And I want to say to us this morning that only in God's presence do we find the right perspective for our circumstances. If you are seeing your circumstances greater than your God in this moment, then I want to propose to you that you are not seeking His presence. You have not seen Him. And so I want to encourage us this morning, I think this is the big one that I felt for us, is that in order to have the right perspective, to see that suffering produces an eternal weight of glory in our lives and produces an image of Jesus in us, we need to be in His presence. Otherwise, the circumstances will always look too big. The things we face will crush us if we are not finding God's perspective on the matter. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Beautiful words that Jesus says. Lord Jesus says the following to the Father. He says, Lord, if it is your will, let this cup pass from me. In other words, let me not suffer. That's Jesus' prayer. Lord, Father, don't let me go through the suffering. Yet not my will be done, but your will be done, God. And the only way that Jesus could say that is because he understood. He saw the Father. He saw the Father's purpose. He saw the Father's plan. And we can't find that purpose and plan if we're not in his presence. Amen. So God's presence gives us peace. It gives us power. It gives us perseverance. And it gives us perspective. So you may be asking this morning, so how do I seek God's presence? How do I seek his presence? Firstly, we go to the pages, right? Scripture. We hear God's voice and for some of us, you're saying, oh, I wish God would speak to me about my circumstance. I say, have you read the Bible? Have you read his word? Have you found his heart and his mind in the pages? Oh, but I want to hear God speak audibly to me. Well, then read the Bible out loud. <laughs> read it out loud. It's God's word. He is speaking to us. And more than that, it's not just, it's not just a, a, a page. It's not just words on a page. He's also given you the author of scripture to live inside of you so that when you read the pages, it comes alive and you are able to understand, you are able to grasp, and you are able to see the glory of God through the pages. And I want to say to us, if your circumstances are this big, ask yourself, if my Bible reading is this small. I want to encourage us, let's, let's dive into the Word. If you don't know how to approach your Bible, ask your comm leader to help you. And I, I, need, to, I need a Bible reading plan. I need, to, I need to discipline myself to getting into the Word. 
It's when we read the word, our minds and our hearts are changed that we wrestle with God's truth and it, con- it changes us. And in a sense, we don't read the word, the word re- reads us. And we see it like a mirror being put up and we say, oh, wow, God, you are so faithful, you're so good. I don't see this, but I believe that you are working this in me when we come to the pages. Number two, through prayer. We speak to God, we commune with God, we have fellowship with His Spirit when we talk to Him. How much of our time is consumed with watching series? I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing, but if we are... If we are not spending our time in prayer, and we don't bring that before the Lord to commune with God, then we miss out on His presence. That we, when we speak to God, He also speaks to us, and we are transformed as we encounter Him through prayer. I've, I've read a book once uh, that, that's, that said, sometimes the sin that we struggle with in our lives is a judgment because of prayerlessness. That blew me away. I ask myself, wow, Lord, how many things do I face because I am prayerless? And God says, let every request be made known. And it's not just so we have a shopping list to tick off and bring before God, but it's also that we encounter Him while we speak to Him. So we've got the pages, we've got prayer. And number three, and this one is my favorite one, and I've come to the place where this has become my favorite because for me, I would love to be in the pages and in prayer. But the third way that we find God's presence is with His people. It's this. It's when we are together like this. It's when we are together, not just here on a Sunday, but when we are in one another's homes. And to actually just reiterate what Ryan shared at the gathering, it's, we find God's presence when we are sitting around a table and having a meal together. And we are able to share life with one another and we are able to encourage one another. I need you to find God. And you need me to find God. And maybe some of us, because of our circumstances, we have drawn back from the fellowship of the saints. Was it last weekend when we had Lucas coming for lunch? Some of us shied away from that because we felt a little bit like, ah, oh, I, I don't want to be with God's people because of my circumstances. Don't be unaware of the enemy's schemes. God's people is critical to you finding God. It's in our togetherness that we see more of Him. I only see in part. I need Modus because Modus sees something different about the Lord that I need that I don't see. And so don't neglect meeting in one another's homes. I want to encourage us with that. Whether you are living in an estate or whether you are living in a bungalow, makes no difference. Open your home. Open your home. I would love for the next time when we have Lucas coming for lunch that we are able to go to Mbukweni or we are able to go to Van Weeksvlei or we, wherever we are able to go to Bergendal. We are able to go everywhere because we realize that we are a people that need people, that need one another. Regardless of our circumstances, regardless of the things that we are facing, we open up our homes. We need one another people. And so, uh, as I come to a close this morning, I want to I wanna read this scripture. It's probably one of my favorite scriptures. It's 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 to 18. It says the following. It says, So we do not lose heart, 
Though our outer self is wasting away. Uh, are we wasting away, man? <laughs> our inner self is being renewed day by day. And I was, when, when Paul writes this, I'm thinking Paul needs to be seeing something different to what we are seeing if he says that our momentary affliction is light. It says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I want to say to us this morning that God is preparing an eternal weight of glory as we endure and as we go through the things that life throws at us. As we go through the suffering, there's a glory that God is doing in us that actually reflects Him. That as we see Him, this becomes light that we face. And so my encouragement for us this morning is to fix our gaze on Jesus. Fix your gaze on Him. Job. I thought I wasn't going to go there, but Job suffered loss in one day. Loses loved ones, livestock, and a bunch of other things. And Job's response is that I will bless the Lord. He gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God is working something beautiful in each one of us. And the only way that we are able to see that is if we fix our eyes on him. And so I've asked Michael to, this morning, uh, to prepare a song in response for us. And I want to I throw it out there for us. Like, if you are at a place where you feel hopeless, where your circumstances are heavy, and uh, you, you almost feel like there's no light at the end of the tunnel, I want you to stand up in this moment and come and stand with me in the front. I want us to be brutally honest here. There's, uh, all of us come to a place in our lives where we feel like circumstances overwhelm us. It's not a shameful thing. But I want to encourage you, if that's you this morning and you feel that your circumstances have placed you in a position of hopelessness, I want you to come and stand in the front. And we, I want you to lead us, in a sense, in singing this. I'm, I'm going to stretch us this morning. So if that's you, please come, come to the front. Come and stand with me.